The Kern Institute Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Medic, where we talk about medical education and countryside community. As always, I am joined by the amazing Dr. Anita Public anderson Hey, Anita. Yeah, greetings. <laughs> Glad to be with you again. And today we get the great pleasure to speak. Lori Rodenfeld. Can I get that Rodenfeld, right? yes. Rodenfeld, yes. thank you. Director of the Rural GME Development and Support. So welcome, Lori. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Good to yeah. good to talk with you. Well, thanks for taking the time out today. And uh, what are you what's the Wisconsin Collaborative for Rural GME all about? Yeah, so uh, WCR GME, it's kind of a mouthful. Uh, mm-hmm. we were created a little over 10 years ago, and it was really with the idea of, you know, developing ways that we could provide support and technical assistance for our rural GME programs in Wisconsin, as well as our rural hospital sites. We have a lot of hospital sites that are interested in offering rotations for residents um, and then even partnering with urban programs to, you know, provide rural training as well. So we kind of uh, do both of those things. Um, So we currently have about 24 rural GME programs in Wisconsin, and then we're working to create more. Um, Just this upcoming year, we'll have two OB fellowships. Um, We're working on a new family medicine residency um, up in Ashland and Hayward. Uh, We just launched a new program down in uh, Mercy Walworth. So it's in the Lake Geneva area. Um, so we actually have a number of rural programs, and they range from psychiatry to OB-GYN to surgery, and then, of course, family medicine. So we have a lot of different programs, a lot of different options, and then even just a lot of rotations um, you know, for residents who are in urban places who maybe want to get some more rural experience. Oh, um, so we've yeah, seen some really great success from our work. I think right now, um, our rural programs, it's around 60 or 65% of their graduates are actually going into rural practice. So that's above the national average. It's something that we're we're really proud of. Um, so the, yeah, so we really work to support them. We do a lot of different activities um, like faculty development. We really work to support our coordinators. We do a lot of medical student outreach, really just trying to spread the word about rural GME opportunities. We of course focus on our Wisconsin medical students, but then we also go to nearby border states and you know mm. try to lure them to come to Wisconsin. Um, and we we get a pretty good response from that as well. So it's it's been really fun, you know, getting to know the different medical students and share with them all the different opportunities that they can pursue. As a Wisconsinite through and through, I can't imagine it's too hard to lure anybody to the state as wonderful as this. But uh, that's that's interesting. I didn't I didn't realize that your reach was that was that far. So that's incredible. Anything. Yeah, like where are they? And sign me up. Like, how can I be involved? Like, this is really exciting. Twenty four programs already. Yeah, twenty four yeah, so- residency programs. Yes. Yeah. And we have um, just a number of different residency positions. Um, so some are in, in the like Wausau area, which I know you guys are in Wausau. So we have, you know, the psychiatry program um, that does a lot of rural rotation. So while they're located in Wausau, the residents will rotate to several different rural sites. So we consider them a rural program because of their rural emphasis. Um, that's just one example. Um, but then we actually have the first rural OB-GYN residency program in the country that's in Madison. Um, and they only take one resident per year. They get a lot of applicants a lot of interest, but um, they they have a really great program. And then we have, um, I think, three surgery programs. One um, is MCW in Milwaukee has a rural surgery program. UW has a rural surgery program. And then, of course, Marshfield has a rural surgery.
surgery program. Um, and then actually Gunderson and Lacrosse also has a rural surgery emphasis. So we have a lot of programs too that, you know, maybe they're not designated a rural program, but they have that mission as well. So it's been really neat to, you know, kind of grow um, the interest in rural and, you know, that wouldn't be possible, you know, without strong state support. So we do get um, state support from uh, the Wisconsin, uh, it's a mouthful, the Wisconsin Rural Physician Residency Assistance Program is a grant program, as well as there are several grants to start up new programs and then also expand programs. Um, so that's really helped us, um, you know, kind of grow GME in Wisconsin. So th- this is super exciting. So if I were a medical student and uh, applying to residency programs, how could I sniff out the ones that are affiliated with like a rural track in Wisconsin or, or elsewhere? Yeah, on our um, website, we actually have a directory. We have a directory of fellowships. We have a directory of rural programs. We even list urban programs that have rural rotations or rural emphasis. Um, so we really want, you know, medical students to be able to see all the different options that they have. And, you know, it's, it's amazing just how many um, how many programs throughout the state have really started to embrace this rural mission. Um, and it's neat because the students can kind of see what, you know, different options would fit, you know, kind of their interests and their needs. Um, you know, we have some programs that, you know, if you're interested in family medicine and you want to do like full scope, um, you know, with obstetrics, um, there's programs that are going to be stronger in that. We have um, the program down in Monroe that has more of an emphasis, like critical care, emergency medicine, hospital medicine procedures. So again, depending on what you're looking for, um, you can kind of find that niche. But yeah, and the specialty programs all have their unique niches as well. Yeah, we're really lucky to have a lot of good options for medical students to choose from. So when you when you say there's like a rural program in Milwaukee, like that doesn't always equate for me. I don't quite <laughs> understand. So like, is it like they have a rotation or they have like different sites that they send students to? Or, yeah, so or, they, or they send, to? yeah, they send um, residents to actually to Wausau. So um, the definition of rural, I mean, there's 75 different definitions of rural. Mm-hmm. Um, are there the really? State, yeah, there are. Okay, there's what's seven... the craziest definition of rural? <laughs> okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, is... I really want to get into this because <laughs> I have, I have my, my dean has a really interesting like definition of rural. She says, if it's a town where you can't buy underwear, that is a rural <laughs> community. And, and, for, and for me growing up, it, it had to have a cheese factory, a church, and a bar, I believe, for okay. it to be an actual <laughs> and then, town. Then it qualifies. And then, yes, and it qualifies as a, as a rural community or something. Yeah, there are a million different definitions, but I mean, the one that we tend to like the best is if it's a, a city, you know, location of less than 20,000 located 20 miles away from somewhere that's over 20,000. That's the one that we prefer and we like, but you know, there's micropolitan, metropolitan, you know, that's like more of a CMS definition. The Wausau Stevens Point area is like micropolitan. So it does qualify as rural under some definitions. Uh, but then there's, you know, CMS rural, there's the Federal Office of Rural Health Policy rural, you know, you can get into the weeds with rural definitions. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's vast and wide, but we're, we're grateful that we have programs even in Milwaukee that, you know, want to embrace the rural mission and, and train their residents, you know, in a, in a setting where it's maybe more community based and you do the surgery program, right? So they're, you know, learning true general surgery, which is, I think, so important in this day and age. We have fewer and fewer surgeons actually practicing general surgery. And that's what our rural communities need. That's something that we're really concerned about is just the the lack of surgery residents going into general surgery, for example. Doing fellowships and getting like yeah. spe- subspecialized. Yeah. And then OB is, is a whole other issue. Um, you know, we have yes, maternity care deserts. <laughs> um, yeah. 
I wanted to talk to you about that too, because I'm trained in obstetrics. I practice here in Wausau. I've also, and I trained in like Chicago and uh, Rochester, New York, which is by no means a rural community, mm-hmm. but um, definitely an urban center with that's very close to rural farming areas. And it's a referral center. I, I'm really glad to hear that you're supporting like full scope family medicine. One of my concerns is as it's harder to recruit obstetricians to stay these smaller hospitals like Medford or, you know, more rural areas, they might be the only obstetrician staffing. And so you do need support. You need, you know, like, how do you build that? Do you have like this, you know, network of midwives, full scope family medicine, general surgeons who can like in a pinch, like step in? How do we keep our, our rural maternity centers open so our patients can get the care that is needed? I think it's I getting, yeah, I don't know that we have the answer, but I know, you know, we just need more doctors who are comfortable with that. And, you know, family medicine residents, it's with all the various requirements, it's, it's hard to get you know, the number of deliveries and the competency, especially if you're going to be working in, you know, say a critical access hospital where they need somebody to help with C-section coverage. That's where mm-hmm. these rural fellowships can really help fill that gap because, you know, it's, it's harder and harder to recruit an obstetrician. And then with these lower volume settings, it's hard to retain them because then they feel like they're not keeping up on their skills. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of work to be done to train people and and get people Mm -hmm. comfortable. Um, And we're seeing, you know, again, some successes with a couple of fellowships getting started, this new um, rural OB-GYN track. And I think that that track even is generating more interest among the regular OB-GYN residents. Mm. Like, oh, I can do rural. Or I heard a really great thing about, Mm. you know, this rural hospital where, Mm. you know, my my colleague rotated. So I think that it it definitely puts it on people's radar more. And yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a real challenge. And with family medicine, there's new requirements um, for residency training. And there's kind of going to be two tracks coming forward. Forward. Either you're going to do obstetrics or you're not. Is that Where, right? Yeah. The new requirements for 2023 are a little different. So mm. um, that's going to make it harder. And that's why having good quality rural programs where they can get that volume, get that comfort um, is going to be really, really important. So is there, you, uh, oh, go ahead. I was, I'm curious now, is there a, a sales pitch that you've honed that, uh, you know, is, is pulling people in and saying, you know, you know, I thought about doing that. Maybe rural, you know, is a place for me. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, um, you know, getting exposure to rural. And I think that's the value of our regional campuses, right? I mean, if they're training in Wausau or they're training in Green Bay or, you know, we've even seen some of the nearby border states, you know, their their regional campuses do a good job of getting students into communities, into rural communities. And they can see that, you know, you can get, you can have a really great quality of life. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, mm-hmm. have a really great community of practice. You get to work, you know, maybe at a smaller hospital where you have a little more autonomy. You can kind of hone your skills, develop your niches and your interests. And I think the neat thing about rural is you can have a really broad practice. My background is, um, you know, I helped set up our programs down in Monroe and we have a really great emergency medicine fellowship. And I just think of all the great training that our emergency medicine fellows get because they get to truly practice EM at its broadest scope. It's not like they're at a large tertiary care center. We only do these things before you, you know, hand them off to the next team. You're stabilizing the patient. You might be getting them ready for a transfer 
or you might be getting them ready for the ICU and you, know, you get to do the procedures, you get to you know, stabilize them, you get to you do so much more and really kind of maximize your overall skill set you know, when you're in a rural community. But that's just one example. I mean, you could be in clinic in family medicine and get to work that patient up. You get to do the procedure while they're there. You get to you know, maybe even admit them to the hospital. It's it's a completely different um, approach mm-hmm. when you're in a rural community than if you're just at a, a large urban clinic and you know, you've know you got those 20-minute appointments and you, know, you don't have time for the procedure. You don't have yeah. time to <laughs> admit them to the hospital. You send them to the ER and then you kind of miss that continuity of care. Yeah. Just, I just experienced your leadership series. It definitely shined through in, in that experience as community of practice. So I think you know, that's really what you're all about. So that's great. Any of you seem to have another thought? Yeah. So um, when you were talking about challenges of like lower volume centers, I was reminded of some simulation training that I did as part of my maintenance of certification. I went to a simulation center. We did all kinds of drills for, you know, different obstetric situations. You know, is that as as you support all these rural programs, is there an opportunity to create, you know, simulation for teams to maintain those that skill set in case of an emergency, in case of, you know, all those things? So is that something that's that you do or would consider? Oh, we've we've absolutely planned that. Um, in fact, um, we've worked with the UW OB-GYN pre- residency because they have such a strong interest in this to set mm-hmm. up an OB-GYN simulation day. Um, mm-hmm. And we've even talked about that with like critical care procedures, for example. We have programs that have really great simulation mannequins and they're in the rural places, but could we offer something similar, you know, for if you are an ER doc and you haven't done a crike in a while, can we provide our crike mannequins and just give them that experience? But I think that that's a really good um, thought. It's something that we're we're actively working on and support, um, but I think that simulation can really help building confidence um, Mm -hmm. amongst residents who maybe are going to be going into rural practice, but then also the attendees who are doing those things day in and day out, but again, don't mm-hmm. get the volume. So I think that that's really, yeah. really key to sustain people's comfort with different situations that they might find themselves in. And mentoring too. I think that is so important because you can feel like you're on an island and that there's nobody around to help you out. Maybe you want to do a journal club or have like a study session for your board exam or whatever to so build community among these different rural sites to really share best practices and what works. Back when I was in, in practice here in Wausau, I was so impressed with um, work that was being done up in the Keweenaw Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Talk about rural. I mean, my goodness, like Snowbelt, okay? Like they were doing such great work with, uh, there's a midwife up there who was using nitrous oxide for pain control mm-hmm. and labor. And I was like, we got to bring that down here. We got it. Mm-hmm. We're doing some great stuff. So it was a great opportunity to kind of learn from each other what they're doing and just the talent of the skill set of rural doctors is impressive. Yeah, it sounds like it. Not being a clinician, I'm, I'm curious to, to both of you, like, do, do you think concerns about having that support system are, is a bit of a hindrance to people deciding to become rural physicians? That absolutely can be a hindrance, right? But I think that we have a lot of different rural options, right? I mean, you could be a solo provider, you know, the one general surgeon at the hospital. You can also be a, at a hospital where maybe there's two or three and call load is a little bit less. Maybe you have some mentoring, maybe you have a skilled surgeon who's teaching you the ropes and you know, helping you um, get familiar and comfortable with everything. And I think that that's the neat thing about Wisconsin is even if you train in a rural residency, you can kind of experiment with what kind of practice do I want? Do I want to be part of a health system or do I want to be part of an independent rural hospital? There's pros and cons to each, right? Um, right. You know, Do I want to be a solo provider? Do I want to be part of a, a small group? Um, we have 
hospitals that do all of those things. And, you know, our residency programs even have, you know, a mix of those different practice styles. So you can kind of see what it's like, but I do think it can be intimidating the idea of being the solo OB-GYN yeah. or the solo general surgeon yeah. or the solo orthopod, right? Um, where, you know, it's it's just you, but if you, if you feel like you got good training, you know, it shouldn't be that intimidating, especially if you have good mentoring. And I think yeah. even our fellowship, for example, you know, I think that that's like a scary point for a fellow is like when they go out and work in the ER for the first time on their own solo, mm-hmm. you know, it's great to have your program director that you can send a quick text to like, hey, what do I do here? Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure I need help. You can phone a friend. So I think they understand like that rural scenario, right? Like, what what mm-hmm. do I do? Am I on the right path? Is my thought process correct? Exactly. So I think that that's the nice thing is you're never truly alone because you still have those great networks and great mm-hmm. support systems. And they're happy to respond to the text. Even if it's like Saturday night at 10 o'clock, right. they'll, they'll respond and, you know, and help you out. So, mm-hmm. so was that, I got to ask and how, when you were setting this up, I, I, it seems like you were kind of, you got this in the ground floor. You were one of the first to get this all, help get this all set up. What kind of things were you focusing on then were to help? alleviate some of this angst? Was there a particular program you went with that was kind of established or yeah, I just kind of, how, how did you, how did you get it all sorted out? What, what needs to address first, so to speak? So I've been in my role for two years. So I haven't, I haven't been, oh, okay. I've been involved with WCRGME though, from the very beginning, I was there when they had their first meeting because Monroe, we were one of the first programs. So I've been able to kind of see it evolve over time, but really we started out, we had the Baraboo Rural Program. We had some programs in Marshfield, but that was kind of it as far mm-hmm. as like rural programs were concerned. So it's been a gradual buildup um, since that point. Um, and really it started small with the rural hospital sites because you've mm. got to develop those so that residents can start training there. And then right. you kind of work with all the partners and we work with everyone. We work with UW, we work with MCW, we work with all the sponsoring institutions and hospital systems. We like to say we're like Switzerland, like we just <laughs> love working with everyone and you know, we just want to be a good partner and a good support um, for you know anybody who's interested in rural GME. Um, so I think that you know the, the early work of the early team, you know, in getting to see Jimmy going, they absolutely instilled that. So it was really easy to kind of take this on two years ago because a lot of the good work had been done. Um, but then it was really fun because I got a chance to kind of set up a program and now I get to help programs that we've started and then also um, help grow more. So it's um, kind of the best of both worlds. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you touched on yourself a little bit there. What, uh, what, what got you into all this? Can you tell us a little bit about your own journey to becoming director of the Rural GME Development and Support? Yeah, so I um, actually, my my background before working in healthcare, I worked at a two-year um, technical college, and oh, wow. I actually worked um, with our campus dean um, setting up rural programs, but they were work- two-year programs um, at the community college. Um, and that was really fun because I got to work with community stakeholders, you kind of develop the curriculum, work with that particular industry, learn about what should the curriculum entail, how do we recruit instructors, everything, accreditation, and then um, about 10 years ago, um, the CMO at Monroe approached me about an opportunity to kind of take this leap into GME. It was a it was a great fit. Um, so then I was able to set up um, two fellowship programs, our residency program, get all of our physicians on board. And again, with all the great support just in the state, um, it made it a little more manageable <laughs> um, yeah. to, you know, get connected with other programs, others who were already doing this work. 
so that was that was really fun. And then about three years ago, the actually the National Rural Residency Planning and Development Group, along with the RTT Collaborative and um, Residency Program Solutions, they came together to create a consultant learning community. So I was able to get involved with that, meet others, you know, across the country who are doing similar work, and then that kind of led into some other more national work too to help support um, GME development. WCR GME is actively involved with HRSA has a technical assistance center. So we kind of help with that as well, helping programs get developed outside of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And that's been really fun as well. So, and we get to bring all the great ideas back to Wisconsin. So it's really a win-win. We get to learn what other great things are happening in other states and we can borrow um, those great ideas. You got me imagining uh, the net that's beneath the trapeze artist, right? That seems like what you're all about. Like we're here to to catch you if you need something, sort of thing. So that's that's fantastic. Nina, do you have some other thoughts that were on your, yeah, on your mind? I do. You said, I mean, to, to develop a program, it's really awesome that like you were approached by a hospital. But remembering that not all physicians are going to welcome the opportunity to be involved in a training program. So like, how do you get how do you get the team on board? for, you know, it's a, it's not affiliated with necessarily an academic institution. Like, so how do you, how do you go about that? Yeah. And that's, that's a big question, Anita. I think, um, you know, hospitals that already have some experience with medical education, it doesn't need to be GME, but if they have medical students and most rural hospitals, you know, at the community-based level have some kind of education happening or they should just for their own future workforce needs, but they do have some experience, at least with medical students. That's a good kind of starting point because then you can identify who are those people who are on board. Um, in fact, when I first started at Monroe, that's exactly what I did. You know, I just met with different physicians and I asked, like, I, I called it the snowball method. I was like, okay, are you interested in teaching? Who isn't teaching that should be? And then I would approach them and I would just kind of, I kind of just created this, you know, huge cadre of physicians who were interested in teaching. But again, we already had medical student rotations. We had done some resident rotations. So they weren't completely, it wasn't a completely foreign concept. So it was easier to hit the ground running. But I think that if there's some education happening, it makes it a little easier to sell the idea of GME. And I think even if a hospital is considering it, if they're not involved with UME, they should be just to kind of, yeah. you know, see how the physicians are. Are they good at teaching? Are they good at working with the learner, integrating them into their practice, just seeing how things, um, how things can evolve and how things can go. But I think that that's really a good starting point just to kind of test the waters a little bit. Like, do we have capacity to do this? Um, but then I think the other big thing is like a good culture. You can't put a residency in a, in a hospital unless there's a good solid team in place. Yeah, that's well that's, said. Indeed, indeed. So mm-hmm. challenges, successes. I mean, it sounds like you've had a lot of success in terms of spreading your reach and support and programming. Um, other you know challenges, ones that really kind of stick out that are just like, wow, that was something we really had to work through? Yeah, I would say probably biggest challenge has been like the pandemic um, did, um, you know, struggle a little bit when we couldn't do things in person and rural communities. I mean, it's about connecting with people. And I mean, we ran a faculty development conference virtually, we did one hybrid, but it's so much better when it's in person and you can see those connections being made, those relationships form. But we've had some really good success with virtual events. We um, support the rural GME Coordinators Network, which is all the rural uh, GME coordinators throughout the country. And we actually um, do bi-monthly meetings. We run a boot camp 
camp for them. And those are done virtually and those work out really great. So I think that virtual um, formats can work out really, really well, but then there is kind of that huge benefit to in-person. So we've really enjoyed being able to bring those back, those in-person events, getting people connected with each other. But that was probably our biggest challenge. You know, then how do you support programs when you can't visit them on site? You you know, (laughs) can't make those those face-to-face connections. So as soon as we could get out and um, reconnect with our programs, we went and did lots of site visits, really just to listen to them. What are your needs? What are the things that you're struggling with? How can we help Mm -hmm. you? And that was that really helped kind of set our direction 2021, you know, as far as um, just supporting in a variety of different ways from our faculty development to our GME Leadership Academy to our different events and activities. Um, It's been really nice to connect with people in person. Yeah, that's great. So uh, an extension of this, like I'm going to be thinking of the the dental community because there are some really interesting things happening in adjacent states of ours where they have, we have physician assistants, there are dental therapists, oh. and that's sort of to specifically address dental care in rural communities. And that, that hasn't passed um, in Wisconsin yet. So I just want to like put that on your radar, like like rural access to like dental care, because maybe that's like your next career move. I don't know. <laughs> so um, the other thing I recently learned, so my husband's a dentist. So he told me like just yesterday, he got uh, a mailing or something that all graduate from Marquette Dental School will be automatically granted licensure in the state of Wisconsin to encourage uh, retention. So I'm just going to throw that out there just in case you know somebody with the last name Evers, (laughs) you know, that maybe our medical students or maybe there's something there that we could latch on to. I'm making a note of that. That is a great idea um, for medical students. Um, And I know licensure, we're trying to support our um, hospitals and programs because Mm -hmm. licensure can be a barrier, right? And it can take a lot of time. You're a resident in the state of Wisconsin, and then you want to stay on to practice. There can be a lag in licensure. It's also an issue with our APCs. Um, I've heard of significant delays with their licensure. So I think anything that we can do to incentivize staying in Wisconsin and practicing in Wisconsin is a good move. I have been involved a little bit with the teaching health center planning and development work as well. And um, there's a big emphasis on dental. So I definitely, I'm not an expert in dental, but have a strong appreciation for the need for dental care in rural and underserved areas. And I think Mm -hmm. anything that we can do to grow our dental workforce is absolutely key, especially in those areas where they're less Mm -hmm. likely to have access. Because as you know, like dental is just as important as medical. um, And a lot of things that rise in dental lead to other health problems. So the more we can um, incentivize, um, you know, our dental workforce, the better. Right on. <laughs> Indeed, right? <laughs> Indeed. So that's just, it's amazing stuff. Um, so thinking about future directions, um, what other avenues do you envision, uh, you know, your programming going in? I mean, do you have some stuff on your radar that's in development and... Yeah, anything? so we've, we've been really involved with um, like the Wisconsin Council for Medical Education and Workforce. And we're really um, just trying to work collaboratively with different partners. There's a physician pathway group, and we're really just trying to kind of identify what are the barriers for Wisconsin medical students mm-hmm. not staying in Wisconsin for residency. That's something that we, we have a big opportunity there. I think yep. it's about 30% when you look at UW and MCW, 30% of the medical students stay in state for residency. That's 70% who are leaving. And I think, you know, we have, we have some opportunity there to, um, 
grow retention of uh, medical students in state. We're happy to recruit from the border states, but we'd rather keep our Wisconsin medical students in state for their training. Um, So that's been a a big um, area of kind of focus. And then just how do we, you know, how do we address our huge physician workforce needs. I mean, when you look at the data from WICMU, we're going to be about 3,000 physicians short in the next 10 years. A thousand of those are going to be primary care. So again, like developing more GME is a priority, but again, we need the medical students to stay in state as well for for us to be successful. The GME part of it is so important because like where people do residency is like they're going to work very closely with their referral network, with the whole institution, the community they'll they'll be familiar it's just I think it's I think that's so key I'm so excited that you're going to be up in like Ashland and is it Hayward uh, Ashland yeah. and Hayward in that area and I think one thing we can do to like recruit more people here is to say hey y'all you know it's really hot in Texas and Florida right now and like you know all the the smoke in New York like it's so bad like clean water we got like farmland and green space so we won't say anything about the winters then. The winters, it's hot <laughs> everywhere else. Like it's just like winter. They can't go outside because it's too hot. I mean, we, we, it's winter. <laughs> like you just snuggle up and start a fire and get your snowshoes out. That's it. Well, we need you for that next, uh, you know, welcome to Wisconsin commercial or something That's right. like that. I mean, it's awesome. So yeah. is it just, I mean, now I'm curious. So is there data to support that when someone does it a residency, they tend to stay in that community then? Is that typically, okay. Yeah, the the data shows, and I, again, I went, I don't have the exact specific yeah. information, but I think it's within a hundred, usually a resident will stay within a hundred miles of where they do their training. About 70% okay. will. The more that we can grow GME, especially up in the Northern part of the state, the more we're going to be able to make it impact with workforce. So we, yeah. we really are looking for opportunities to grow GME in Northern Wisconsin. That's why Wink was started. That's the Wisconsin Northern GME Consortium. Okay. Um, and we work hand in hand with them as well to really get, um, you know, GME started up there and had some early successes. We got the, um, Ashland has a new emergency medicine fellowship. Mm-hmm. We actually have three emergency medicine fellowships in Wisconsin um, and they're growing to take two fellows next year, which is awesome. Uh, and then Rice Lake has has three fellowship positions. Monroe has three. Um, wow. So that's just a, a small little success. Um, but again, I think, you know, the more that we can do to um, just grow GME, um, regardless of the specialty, um, the more we're going to see an impact. That's wow. wonderful. And the, to clarify, those fellowships, the emergency medicine fellowships, those are emergency medicine trained residents, or are they family, family medicine, medicine with an ER emergency medicine fellowship? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is um, emergency medicine, that's a big need for rural areas because again, emergency medicine residencies are in very large urban areas and those residents don't want to leave the urban areas. So, and with family medicine, all the different requirements, the just different areas that they have to be competent Mm -hmm. in, it's really hard to get that level of training where you feel comfortable being a solo provider Mm -hmm. at a rural emergency department. It's becoming harder and harder. Um, And then with duty hour limitations, it's almost impossible to get the right amount of training that you feel comfortable with that. 
Um, so that's where the fellowships can help fill that gap. And then the nice thing is, is there is a board certification so they can get board certified, they can feel confident and comfortable and really help meet the workforce needs. So it's, um, and it, it's also a nice uh, recruiting tool. We bring in a lot of, um, we have a lot of residents from our Wisconsin programs who are interested, but then we also do recruit a lot from border states, um, residents who want to, you know, pursue that training. There are a lot of students who are interested in family medicine and with obstetric training. And it's very difficult to like the number of programs that are out there that are going to adequately train to give people the, you know, exposure, the numbers, they can be hard to come by. And then they're even more competitive. Like this is an issue nationally. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's, I think you're right. Like the more experienced exposure, um, that's that's awesome. So does it become a challenge? I mean, obviously we want things to grow, but then pretty soon everyone starts hearing about does does that competition, as I heard it need them say, become a hindrance? Do you think, or do you, do you see ways around having too many people apply? I guess I don't know how to think about that, but I mean, I think then we have an opportunity to grow, grow more programs, right? Gotcha. More programs yeah. with those yeah. emphasis, um, right. and that's really, you know, kind of was the impetus with um, growing these EM fellowships. You know, we were seeing how competitive it was. I mean, just our Monroe program, we would three spots interview seven people. I gotcha. mean, that's and we would get our top three every year. <laughs> so then, when other programs were looking to expand, we're like, oh, we'll send you applicants. There's a bunch of them because again, even of the seven, we maybe got 35 applications. So we were turning away 32 people. You know, I'd rather send those to Rice Lake or send those to Ashland and get right. those get those folks here in Wisconsin um, right. doing that work. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, and it'll be, it'll be fun to see the OB fellowships. I think that those will be very competitive as well. Cause like what you're saying, Anita, the, the desire to do full scope OB and be well-trained and feel like you're competent. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have lost family medicine residents who go to OB fellowships out of state. Yep. And then again, we, and we know say, when they do that fellowship training there, they're likely to stay, especially they're if they're likely really to good. Stay. Mm-hmm. So this will be yeah. a good way to draw people in or even retain our Wisconsin residents. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Fantastic. fantastic. So as we kind of wrap things up here, I'm just wondering, Laurie, are, are there a couple of take home messages you'd like the audience to know about uh, WCRGME and, and, and um, yeah, I'll leave it there. Yeah, so I think probably we've talked about a lot of the things I was going to mention, but I think, you know, probably the the number one message would be that Wisconsin is a really good place to train. It's a really good place to practice. You know, I, I've talked a lot with um, medical students, with residents, and they don't have that rural exposure. Sometimes they have misconceptions what rural is, right? They think, oh, the hospital doesn't have the resources. I'm not going to get good training. And that's completely not true. I mean, I see our rural, our rural hospitals, our rural programs. Programs. They have state-of-the-art simulation labs. They have procedural mannequins. They're able to kind of provide that rounded, well-rounded education um, that you need to be a good doctor. Um, I think that sometimes you'll you, you'll hear that there's not enough volume for mm-hmm. good quality um, rural experience, and that's absolutely not true. Anyone who works in rural healthcare knows access is first yep. and foremost. Um, I'm a shaking. Concern. I'm like nodding my head vigorously. <laughs> I saw so much pathology here in. And like having trained in Chicago and like upstate New York in a like a big, you know, a big mm-hmm. like, like hospital and in an urban center, like you'll see a lot. You'll see a lot. 
you'll get to know your all your colleagues because you're going to be calling them. Yeah, and I think that that's the other thing, right? Beyond you, there is good volume. There are great resources. The hospitals are actually really beautiful and well maintained. Yep. Um, but yeah. then I think yeah. the the huge added bonus is that you're really part of a community. And I think every rural program I've been to, the residents are part of the medical staff. They know their attendings really well. The attendings will respond to their text messages and be helpful and receptive mm-hmm. to their questions. And that's just not something that you get when you're in a big urban program. So I think training rural just kind of allows you to kind of see what it's like and prepares you for future rural practice better um, mm-hmm. because you kind of know what would the specialist do. So if there is like, say, a three or four week wait to get into the specialist, you know, okay, well, they would do all of these tests. They would, you can work them up before they're even seen by mm-hmm. that specialist. Um, mm-hmm. Where if you train in an urban location, it's it's harder to know all of those things that would need to be done. So, and and you know those specialists too. I mean, you can, you can give them a call. You can stop by their office and say, hey, what do you want me to do mm-hmm. here? The patient can't get in. Or you can even work them in because you know the specialist so well. <laughs> and I think too, one another thing that COVID taught us is that you can do a lot of things virtually. You can get a lot of mentoring and support through, I'm not going to say AI because we're not going there, <laughs> but you know, they're like virtual headset, you know, headsets with cameras. So like if you're in the OR and you need somebody to guide you, there's like all kinds of technology that's available. The same thing with like televisits with like remote uh, specialists who are like remote and removed from like where you are, like everything's like really connected. So I think a lot of that infrastructure that was kind of built up during COVID, I, I hope some of it lasts because that's only gonna like help us in rural medicine as long as we get as long as we get that grant money for like improved internet (laughs) that's gonna help a lot right jeff indeed indeed i would imagine i was one point i was going to touch on i think we can say that for for another another conversation i look forward to having with you laurie so thank you so much for your time today really appreciate all the insights and uh and and what you do and what your entire group does and your organization does is just absolutely fantastic so yeah thanks for the time today great thank you thanks laurie thanks